All right, everybody, welcome back to True American. And in this episode, we're joined by none other than Erica back in action. What's up? Yeah, she's here after a hard workout, getting her her side squat muscles shredded. Great. They totally needed to visualize my legs. They look Thanks, great. Dude. They look great. Yeah. yeah. I have to do it. I have to like... Well, we are getting married in less than three months. That's right. And I have to look hot for the honeymoon. And I have to get not fat. So, there you go. We both have body goals. Yep. It's good to have goals. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of people who don't have goals in life, we're going to talk about these looters or what? Start us off, Alex. Okay. Starting off, I'll just start off with the obvious thing. That, as Erica, this mean yawn. The Sorry. obvious thing is that if you want to commemorate or memorialize a person, okay, like George Floyd... Why do you need to go vandalize and break into shops and stores if that's what I it's about? I have a theory. Okay, what's your theory? They're using his death as an excuse to rob stores. Like, I'm could not it be, saying... Could it be that simple? I think it's that simple. I think so, too. Because, okay... And I think that the mainstream media is so afraid of looking racist that they think that if they call these people out as, you know, problematic, that everyone's going to label them racist. But the funny part is... They would be right. They are racist. And that's why they're not calling anybody out. Yeah, and you know how... Because they think... Well, you know that they're racist. Like, the looters and people are racist because there was a protest organized to be in Van Nuys. All right, you know this. And... Okay, for people who don't live in Los Angeles, Van Nuys is like a sad... Don't shit on Van Nuys. Well, it's an an industrial area north of... Uh, LA in the valley. It's just, you know, it just is dusty. And it's kind of desert. Of... It's kind of desert, middle of wherever. It's not a spot that people think of when you think of LA. Yeah, and right? it doesn't really have like a lot of like restaurants or anything of that nature. It's mostly like car repair places. And... I mean, look, Van Nuys is like relatively big. Yeah. Okay. But so, it's, it's not a wealthy area by right. any means. But that's where, that's where Van Nuys City Hall okay is located that's where they're gonna do this protest okay yeah which i say again protest why is it gotta be a protest wait a vigil a memorial because like people feel useless and they don't have anything going on in their life and so stuff like this makes them feel better about themselves okay i suppose that that's very true i think a vigil would have been very classy and and, Which and, honestly, I think that the people, I don't know. Okay, well, hey, well, let me finish the thing. The reason why we well, know actually, the racist. I think they had a vigil at a church in Pasadena, as far as I know, and oh. there was like no problems. Yeah. Because, shocker, people going to a church to have a vigil yeah. weren't doing anything bad. Yeah, meanwhile, the people rioting and protesting are burning down famous, historically significant churches in D.C. Um, oh, and defacing synagogues in L.A. Right. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, the note. The reason you know they're racist is because, and the reason you know it's not about commemorating George Floyd, who, what happened to him was terrible, right? He didn't deserve what happened to him. He didn't, a lot of these things like the, like Ferguson and a lot of the uh, hands up, don't shoot and all that stuff were all total lies. Total lies. Yeah. All right. These were dudes that were trying to pick a fight with the cops, trying to take their weapon and they end up getting themselves into a situation where the police had to shoot them yeah. okay and uh so there's those, no evidence they're not, that george floyd was doing right that. but but yeah. if you remember in every one of those scenarios it started out as sort of like a george floyd scenario where it was like 
He was doing nothing wrong. They just walked up to him in broad daylight and blew him away. And he was doing nothing. He was a good kid. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then over like a couple weeks, it ends up coming out like he did something stupid as hell. Or, oh, he was a repeat offender. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, in, in George Floyd's case, it's like the whole thing's on video and literally nobody at this point has come forward and said, oh, that guy's actually a bad dude. Like there was one lady in his local neighborhood who ran like the like local Hispanic radio station in Minneapolis. And uh, she was saying like, oh, he was a security guard there off duty or with and the and the police officer, too. So like they might have known each other or whatever. But the reason you know it's not about commemorating him is because this thing in Van Nuys was supposed to be at 8 a.m. And it was going to be whatever, oh, peaceful protest is what the advertisement said. And then at like 7 o'clock, all of a sudden, they re reannounce the organizers are like, canceled, don't come to Van Nuys. We don't want to disrupt this um, low-income minority community. Go to... Other Which places. Is so funny. There's plenty of white people in Van Nuys. Oh, I, don't I know, know. I know. Why they were, I yeah. Mean, yeah, there's Mexican people in Van Nuys, but there's at right. least. Well, like you said, it's a people. very like an, it's an industrial part of town, so yeah. it's not even like it's a very residential. I mean, it is residential too, but it's yeah. it's a mix. It's a hodgepodge, right? Yeah. But they were like, go to places like Encino and Sherman Oaks and North Hollywood, where all the rich white people are. And then they said like, if you want to get whitey, aim for the hills, meaning like go for the. Yeah. the northern side of the Hollywood Hills where there's like a bunch of communities and I have yet to figure out how a vigil or a, or a protest that's peaceful commemorating a person who was killed would would like disrupt this one neighborhood and why you would then want to target another neighborhood for being rich and white. Well, I'll tell you why because Antifa actually had this tweet. I think they got their account suspended. But yeah, they did. Finally. I that uh, everybody who was intelligent already knew that these people were a huge... Pro I mean, think about Andy No, the... Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, the reporter. The reporter who yeah. got attacked in Portland like a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. And he was actually like relatively liberal. And then he realized that like, oh, these guys are monsters. And right. they didn't arrest anybody for his attack, even though they like, ended him in the hospital. I mean, it was horrible. And um, so he's been like... If you go on his Twitter, it's like... Oh, he's all over it. Tweet after tweet after tweet about them, which is awesome. Good for him. Yeah. But, and what's just so sad is like, apparently he's like a nice gay guy. So it's oh, like, I met he's him. like the perfect... I like, met him when he like... Yeah. You, at, at like an event or something. He yeah. like was at that I, and he was super... Friendly. I, right? I mean, like, you know how you... Okay. Some people, you meet them, they have like a mild celebrity status mm -hmm. and they're just dicks. Yeah. Okay. They're just... I don't know. They're not... I don't think it's an excuse. Like, if you meet Brad Pitt, I hope he's not a douche, okay? And there's a lot of people like Morgan Friedman, right? That, by all means, according to everyone, if they meet him, he's like a friendly dude. Yeah. Okay? But then there's people who, like, their celebrity status is... They're the D-list celebrities, where it's Or like, worse than that. They're like the social media... I, yeah, personality. Like, oh, and they're just such jerks. And you're like, God, man, I didn't know that I this was is, wasting your time thing. saying hello. The closer to famous that you are, but you're not actually famous, probably the bigger jerk you are. That makes In sense. In LA, right? It's like, you're almost there, but you're not quite there. Sure. So, But anyway, he's not one of those people. He, he like was just a really down-to-earth dude. Because it's rare to meet people that are not just, oh... They're, they're not a jerk. They're also straight up, you could talk to him like an average yeah. cool well, guy. Well, I think he's about our age and 
He's, he's a little, a little older. older. But yeah. I mean, like, you know, he's he's not an older guy. He's a young... Okay, the cat. Hold on. He, anyway, the point is, yeah, he's he's one of the he's an example of those people who kind of got, in a lot of ways, he got red pilled by the fact that, and I don't know if he was partial to Antifa before all that happened or anything, but guess what? Well, I think it's really was, hard to. He was like a harsh, like never Trumper, and so he thought that the riots were like, you know, actually doing something, and then basically. And he was just there to cover it, and yeah. then they attacked him. I mean, look, there's like really good interviews out there with him. Go read right. his articles. Well, okay, so here's the crazy parallel, right? But no, okay. we're going oh, back to you're going somewhere. We're here. going back to the fact that Antifa. So we already know that they're trash. Okay, yeah. they're trash humans. They're communists. They're horrible. They are fascists. They just call themselves anti-fascists. Yeah. They're basically the people so crappy that the Nazis kicked them out of Germany. That's how bad. Yeah, that's the. Crew. That, that's like who they are, okay, yeah. and that's who they're proud to announce that they are. It's like, all right, cool guys, and they put out a tweet basically saying that they needed to go into the oh, into the yes. suburbs and In, rape go people. into go into white hoods, white hoods, which I thought was a KKK thing for a cool minute, and then I was like, oh, it's ghetto talk. Yeah, for neighborhoods. Right. Nobody calls it that. Right. Unless Obviously, they're ghetto. May I might be the only person who thought that. I when I first read no, it, at first I glance, I was like, KKK put white hoods. What? Because then I had to get context I'm on it. I'm pretty sure that they said that they wanted to rape white women. Is that not in the tweet? Okay. Because I'm hold on. I don't know. You could look it up. I, uh, I screenshot of it. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, well, look. The, you don't even have to go and say go rape white women. It's like if you say go to white hoods and you're sending a bunch of people who. Uh, okay. Well, okay. Oh, you got the tweet here. It says. There was another tweet from someone else that said oh. that they wanted to go rape white women. It wasn't the one from Antifa. Okay, they say, alert, tonight's the night, comrades, black fist. Tonight we say, <laughs> fuck the city, and we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, and we take what's ours. Fuck America. Oh, right. This totally sounds like they're commemorating... George Floyd. Right. Am I right? Like, you know, yeah. obviously the best way to deal with that isn't mm -hmm. to pursue justice or find a no, higher no, meaning. This is the most ridiculous thing. Or, you say pursue justice, he's getting charged. I know. He got kicked off the police force. The president said justice needs to be served. There needs to be an investigation. There is an investigation and he's been charged with you know third degree murder. Is that Barack Obama went off on how all this needed to happen after and we already established that Michael Brown like was not right. the same situation as George Floyd. But Barack Obama used that whole Michael Brown situation to, to, to create Black Lives Matter and like all this Oh, oh it goes deep. What, Black and, Lives Matter goes back deeper than that. But no, he know, used but it say, as a like, way to vilify cops. Right. And then and all those like, cops in Dallas got... is that they get on Barack Obama like he's the savior of the world and he's no. the best president ever. And he was faced with exactly the same situation and all he did was sit back, do nothing, didn't get any of the cops investigated, didn't send in the FBI to investigate, didn't do anything, just sat back and watched all these neighborhoods in, Destro we, in Detroit No, he did, he did worse than that because he went out and he publicly sided with cop haters and painted all the police as responsible for the death of one person at the hands of, of a cop, which is like, in what situation would you ever go and do that? How is that? Because they all the left and these social activists always paint that as like, he's saying the truths that need to be spoken, but it's like, no, he's... He is, um, uh, what is it when you get like, um, 
you get upset about a thing and then it's starting to spiral outwards. You're, uh, you're, help me out. Uh, you're turning a thing into like a crisis. Come on, you gotta be there with the word for me here. I don't you, know. When something saying. is like you're making it apocalyptic, you are. <sighs> you're killing me. Okay, look, if you get really upset about something, okay, and I'm always like, Erica, you're. It's a psychological. It's a you're psychology. Spiraling? I don't not you're spiraling. Like your mom has said it before. You're globalizing. Okay, that's kind of it, but it's it's. This is killing me. I hate that this is on record right now, but I'm going to keep the fact that I can't think of this word and that you failed to help me. You're, um, basically, he took a thing and he let it um, get exacerbated. Like, he fanned the flames yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, the word's going to come to me in like 10 minutes and I'm going right. to spit it out randomly. Anyway, instead of, instead of calming people down, he like well, did the opposite. The he went out there and put Barack up... Barack Obama's presidency was to make black people hate... White people do not hate black people any more than we had 10 years ago. But black people hey, wait, wait, wait. Now you have to say how much that was. I don't know. Everybody has prejudices. I mean, no offense. If the world they're trying to create is one in which nobody is ever prejudiced or racist against anybody else, it's like, sir, move to a different planet. Right. The human race cannot achieve this goal. Well, the, the statistic that like Larry Elder always cites is that basically like white and black marriages, like interracial marriages, yeah. is like the metric. Yeah. All right? Apparently that's like been the metric that anthropologists use in a lot of places. Seems to make sense. Because right. You don't, you don't marry, marry people you don't people. like. Oh my God. I saw the craziest thing on Facebook today. It was a woman who was, this was posted by someone in one of the groups that I'm in. Okay. She's a white woman. She's okay. married to a black guy. She has three kids with him. Okay. And she had this whole post about how I've carried three black babies in my stomach. And like, I have to recognize that I am part of the problem. And I was like, what? So you're you're so not racist that you have black children and you're married to a black guy who you're in love with, but you're a white supremacist. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't think these people understand what white supremacist no. means. Well, they, it's, I, that's I'm what I'm trying to say. Positive is, that those people did not marry black people and have children with them. It's the yeah I know it's I don't even know how to like crack open the shell of those people. All I know is that. Uh, I in, feel bad for her children is that because in that's like a that's like a mental complex right. that she can't. But, but it's out like of. in 1960, the number that he always cites is really good. Eh, the cat's just eating paper; it's chill. And the number that they cite is that in 1960, Americans were polled, and they were asked like, "Would you ever vote for a black president?" And I think it was something like 90% said no. Okay. okay. And harsh, <laughs> harsh, yeah. That I don't even know if that was only white people either. Like the poll is just Americans in general were surveyed, so I guess you'd have to look it up and go crack the numbers. That open. means at least some percentage of, of black, black Americans said, said no. no which yeah, is well, like yikes. Who knows? Well, look, you know what? That's not like if if someone asked me like, uh, would I would I vote for like my brother or or like any given member of my family to be president? I would probably say no. Cause you know, I like a lot of members of my family, but even then it's like, I wouldn't vote for me to be president. I'm not, <laughs> you know, whatever, not there. Okay. So that's, that's life. It doesn't really like the idea that it's like somehow a black person would never would respond only would it, they would only say yes to that question is, is like on its own. That's sort of like a strange assumption yeah. because Maybe they just would like look around and be like, I don't know. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think that's what the country needs, which I think what a lot of people say. But anyway, and then obviously in 2008, Barack Obama wins the presidency. And then the other measurement that they cite is that it, in 1960, the number of 
black-white marriages was like 1% yeah. of marriages. Yeah. And now it's 18% of marriages. Oh my God, that's a lot. That right. means like... Well, I know, no, but activists are like, that's a only lot. 18%. You're like, dude, there's a lot of options out there in life, okay? Because of all marriages, you got to account for white and white, black and black, that's really Asian and Asian, because, because, Hispanic and Hispanic, all the combos. And it's like 20% is a big number, 13% dude. 13% of Americans are black. So that right. means that like a lot of... Yes, a it's a high percentage. Are, yeah. Because the fact is that America is not racist. All right. Um, so anyway. That's like one in five marriages. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, but Barack Obama comes along and he like doesn't do what Trump did, which is basically say that guy who killed that other guy is responsible. Yeah. Find out why the heck this happened and yeah. do what's right. Instead, he goes and he says, first off, that the guy was that was killed in Ferguson was that had the police had to do it okay yeah. so it wasn't even an unjust killing and he goes and says it's an unjust killing and by the way all police hate black people and what they they've done studies now and surveys and people are interviewed every year leading up to Barack Obama's presidency first presidency the question asked was um, what do you think about racial relationships r racial relations in america what's how are they are they very good pretty good neutral could be better really bad okay every year leading up to him they were the percentage were of people increasing. who said the percentage of people who said very good was going up and the yeah. percentage of it was moving out of the negative it dropped like 10 percentile points after obama's presidency which yeah. everyone, everyone when he was getting elected, if you remember when we were in high school, I don't know about you, like I had to write an essay about this when I was in high school and we were like not able to vote, but we're looking at the election. It was like, I wrote that I thought that like if people elected Barack Obama just because he was black, which is what they did ultimately, that it was like going to be a bad thing because race is not supposed to be the basis. And then of course, like his whole presidency was just about race. And well, that's because he's a black Democrat. If he'd been a black Republican, he would have just been a president like everybody else. But because right. he was a Democrat and his whole entire identity is based off of, you know, But that's grievance. my whole point is yeah. that, that the country would not have voted for him if he was a black well, the Republican. the is, is that there's been plenty of black Republicans. Even there's been black Republicans who ran for presidency and they, and like Ben Carson. And I mean, he was just destroyed in the media yeah even though objectively he is much more accomplished than barack obama it will ever oh yeah by a by like a, a huge margin because and he actually has things to say to black people that are helpful to them about and know, to white people by the way to, to everyone your life in like a meaningful way mm -hmm. because he hasn't made his career you know he went into politics after already having a successful career in medicine like he didn't He's not like Barack Obama, who was basically a failed lawyer, who then went into politics and then continued his and by the way, into didn't, the presidency. Didn't, didn't quote unquote go into politics in like a non-shady way. He was selected because he was a young, handsome black guy to become this senator. And then he was chosen to become president. He like He's not like a dude that ever had a long career in politics leading up to anything. He literally got in there and because like three years later got to the next him thing. In politics, they're like, "You're a shady piece of shit. You shouldn't be in this office. You're a problem." No, because it's because the Democrats see him and are like, "Dude, you'll do shady shit. Let's yeah. move you up the the Ugh. ladder." 
You know? Cory Booker wishes he was Barack Obama, but he is just too irritating. I know. Everybody hates him. Yeah, well, he's bald, so his chances are slim. Pro- I don't have a problem. You know what's funny is that people say, oh, in the 90s, everybody was so racist. Watch a lot of movies from the 90s. A lot of times the president in the movies in is, the 90s black. is black. But you know what I noticed? He's never a social justice black guy. Well, to He's be always fair, like a, 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 a general or right. something of that nature who, you know, is basically a commanding presence who people trust, who people like. Right. And I'm sorry that Cory Booker is a miserable piece of crap and that he hates everybody <laughs> and that he thinks that the whole world is against him. Suck it up, dude. You're a grown-ass man. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Well, okay, that's actually a good segue, okay? Because um, one of the things that's come up with all these riots have is like the videos of um basically there's like there happen to actually be some black people going to the protests who are older men trying to discourage the younger like 14 and 15 year old boys from going and picking a fight with the police basically and looting and rioting and it highlights the fact that like the fatherlessness issue in the black community is it's like, like the, the number core. It's one the core, issue. yeah. Well, it's it's quite frankly, it's like the number one issue in the whole society. Well, like, yeah, actually, it, that's a good point because e- even like um, white fatherlessness is following the same trend as black fatherlessness. And but I think in the a, divorced kids have the same problems. Like just because your parents were married when they had you, if your parents get divorced when you're like five, and then your dad moves out yeah. because he's a piece of crap, and he or whatever. Like sometimes it's like the mom is a harpy. And the dad doesn't want to stick around. Like, there's just so many toxic yeah. people out there nowadays because nobody. But that's thinks why you that have to pick have to... a good person when you get married. <sighs> well, because you don't want to end up in a complicated scenario yes. like that. But I think even people where it's like, yeah, their parents were married when they were born. Like, then they end up divorced, and then the because to me, it's like the most important time for a boy to have a dad is like when he's like middle to high school because mm-hmm. that's when he, you know, he basically after he goes through puberty, kids under 12 are like boys and girls are not that different right because they haven't gone through puberty so like sure temperament wise like a mom can probably handle them but we're talking about boys who are 14 they don't care about what their mom says and their mom is not a man she cannot show them how to be a good man and they're not afraid of her unless she's so toxic and abusive that then that kid shouldn't be living with her which is like the type of mom that creates serial killers right so it's like the mom's role is not to be the person that you're constantly afraid of because then that again makes like angry resentful well, that, it actually is like the reverse of that in, in like a lot of of like ghetto scenarios because here's the thing okay the idea of like can i tie something together here yeah the idea of you said the tweet go out into these white hoods and rape white women okay so when i when you read eldridge cleaver Right, he talks about that whole thing that the recreational activity when he was growing up in the ghetto was you like pick a girl, you know, walking down the street. You're like stooping on the corner with your buddies, and then you see a chick, and you're like, "We're gonna go, rape we're gonna go rape her, her. like gang rape her." Yeah. And then like the women all know that that's the situation. So then the big exciting thing would be to like go into a white neighborhood and find a white lady to rape her. But the whole idea of it is one that <clears throat> the that basically in those communities you abuse i mean i'm sure they're not going into the white middle class neighborhood they're probably going it doesn't the, matter where white like, area. wherever no but because i'm saying like if you never hear about this stuff getting reported it's like it's probably because they're going into like the other poor areas but and here's they're the victimizing thing. other the, poor people the 
the that social dynamic that plays out because there's no fathers is that the men when they're really young abuse the women okay but the way that they pay basically it's like a sins of the of the father are passed on to the son because the way that that they make up for the fact that basically all the women get get like raped. abused and yeah. raped is that you the son like the mom is is glorified and is like held up like an idol which is why they get those things like don't you talk about my mama like that whatever like that's the biggest insult is that is if you shit on someone's mom yeah. okay and the whole but the whole reason but it's such it's such like a mind fuck because no it's not it, the reason it's like that is because the whole notion is that the moms have been through the process that the young women have to go through. And so I a guy know, and so a I guy coming like, up and insulting your mom like uh, she's some hoe is basically putting your mom back down in the category of women who are available for public rape. Yeah. Which is like you're supposed to be doing that in their community to other women. Not that's what Eldridge Cleaver is writing about. Right. Is he's like I'm you don't do it to your mom. Other people don't do it to your mom. With your society where it's like this woman is okay to rape but this woman is but not. But that's because there's no fathers. I know. Because the the adult man, like Dennis on his live tonight was saying, growing up the is by. The adult man doesn't protect the young women. He well, just protects his mom. Well, he said growing up, he was like, because I, I like put in a question to him and I was like, what's like the number one thing that specifically boys need to learn from a father or father figure? And his answer was like super straightforward. He was just like how to be a man. And then he later elaborated on that. He was like growing older is just biology. Becoming a man is morality. And that's the thing is when fathers are gone, you basically put immature boys into the scenario of having to protect their mom and their siblings, but at the same time, being a predator towards all everyone else's moms and siblings. And that's how you get these like non-stable community relationships. So things like this going out and looting the general society is great. It's like taking the pressure valve off and just saying like, go run loose and and rape and pillage it won't be your neighbor yeah like you won't have a blood feud afterwards that's great yeah and white people are too cowardly to defend themselves so go take our shit well that's yeah okay that's wait so can i what they think of us so you want to jump on rules for radicals yeah. on that sucker okay okay so you guys uh, um we've been talking about this book rules for radicals by saul Alinsky, and uh we know that like a lot of people haven't read this book but damn it you need to read this book okay Written in 1971, it's the playbook for radical uh, organizing and subverting the U.S. society, okay? And if you guys think, oh, 1971, that's such a throwback thing, like, that's not important, you're wrong, okay? These, these people have been active since then, since before then, but this guy made it easier because he wrote some rules, okay? And I just want to throw out a couple of things, and I want to get, Erica, your straight-up reactions, okay? okay? So these are from his chapter called Tactics, all right? Because this book is not just like a theoretical diatribe or like a political dialogue. It's actually a handbook for people who want to join radical organizations or or join normal ones and subvert them. And then it has like rules you need to follow, how to blend in, how to this or that, tactics for taking on your enemy. So let's like, okay, you all good? Yes. Okay. I don't know. I saw you checking the phone, so I don't know. Okay. So uh, he says, tactic means doing what you can with what you have. 
Tactics are those consciously deliberate acts by which human beings live with each other and deal with the world around them. In the world of give and take, tactics is the art of how to take and how to give. Here, our concern is with the tactic of taking, how the have-nots can take power away from the haves. And then he says, here's an elementary illustration of tactics using the parts of your face for reference. Your eyes, your ears, and your nose. First, the eyes. If you, have an if you have organized a vast, mass-based people's organization, you can parade it visibly before the enemy and openly show your power. That's like an army, okay? Second, this is where the looters are. If your organization is small in numbers, then do what Gideon did. Conceal the members in the dark, but raise a din and a clamor that will make the listener believe that your organization numbers many more than it does. And third, the nose. If so that's when they hide the Antifa in with the uh -huh. ghetto people who are looting. Right. And the protesters. And it's why they. And it's why, if you notice, they didn't just do these protests like one day, right? They did it in one area on one day, and now in another area on another day. Why? Because they take the same people over to do it the next day in a yeah. different place to make it look like they've well, got people everywhere. Well, pallets of bricks out there, so right. they're not like Well, no, but they have a, yeah, they have like a central organizer, but they don't have as many people as they want you to think. Yeah. They probably have a couple thousand people, right? They do this with so many things. Right. It's like what they do with the transgender activists. They throw all the crazy ass activists out there, and then they act like they represent like every transgender number. person when right. there's like reality 10 of them in the whole country and the news helps it because yeah. if you like in the they media they amplify only the voices uh -huh. of the like most radical you know and the most radical you, gay activists the most radical transgender activists most, the most radical, radical climate activists yeah. like, like you can't <clears throat> you literally can't post on social media things that don't agree with climate change propaganda right yeah. you can't and then like the news 24 7 only showing the protests and things never featuring the vast majority of people who are like, I'm not for or against that, but it isn't worth my time and I don't want to deal with it. Right. I want to live my life. Like that's, that's even, most people. They don't even show the peaceful protest. I mean, they no. claim yeah, yeah. What the hell? that the They just say there's peaceful it. protests. Yeah. We never see them. No. Where are these peaceful ass protests? want to show them because then if you saw what the peaceful protest looked like right. and then you saw the rioting, you'd be like, wait a second. This right. don't look like the same group of people to me. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then third is the nose. If your organization is too tiny even to make noise, just stink up the place. Which is like, basically, throw a fit. Like, yeah. well, I, I don't know. That's what they do on Twitter. I mean, that's, that's basically what yeah. they do on Twitter. Yeah. It's like, go onto Twitter, cause a stink about everything. Throw a tantrum. Call everyone a white supremacist. Do all oh, this crazy or crap. Like, or like, whenever a conservative wants to go speak somewhere, right? Just show up with like your five friends and ruin the event. That's all it takes. Yeah. And then just do it every time. There's not very many of you and you can know- Do you just know... feel so bad for these? I mean, I don't really feel bad for them because they suck. But on the other hand, I feel sad for them because I'm like, your life must be so boring. If no, like... I bet. No, no. This is exciting for them. We're going to get to that. Okay. But that's what I'm saying. If for me, like going to an event to protest it sounds like my worst nightmare because- it just sounds boring. It sounds exhausting. It sounds It's what they embarrassing. live It's literally what they live for. Okay, yeah. I'll just jump straight to it for you, okay? Okay. All right. Rule number six okay. from Saul Alinsky, Rules for Radicals. A good tactic is one that your people enjoy. If your people are not having a ball doing it, then there's something very wrong with the tactic, okay? So, no. It sounds like the pride parade. Right. Like, these people aren't 
uh, it, it's in their in personal life when they aren't at a protest or something. I'm sure they just feel super empty and bored and whatever. But the the protests going to to blockade things, well, causing I a riot, that's what, what gives them meaning. Okay, so it's like to me, a healthy form of something that people do like that is like when you go to a concert. Okay. It's, there's a lot of energy. That's what normal people do. I know. Or, like, in other people, they like to go to church, right? It's, like, the feeling, like, specifically when you go to a Catholic mass and everyone sings and you're in this beautiful building and there's, like, all this, like, you know, it's kind of right. a communal experience where everyone's really, like, feeling and, yeah, the same Yeah, but the emotion. difference between that and this, right, is that those are constructive right. and bring people together. But that's what I'm saying. This is, like, a corrupted... Ver- there's, like, yes. plenty of ways to get that feeling of, like, togetherness and right. community and, like, kind of that awe that you get when you're in a room full of everybody singing the same song right like that it's like those goosebumps that you get that that people want but instead of getting it from something beautiful and sublime like religion or like music or a great film or like anything that elevates you cathartic There's, reverse like yes. it's the fun of, of breaking something it's like they're all it's the kids like a two-year-old who's having fun like everybody knows that feeling when you're a child of like yeah like almost having fun destroying something. Yeah, you're like the kid that runs down the beach and kicks over all the sandcastles. But then, I think <laughs> so actually, fun. at a certain point, like you know, everyone's throwing tantrums in their life, and there is something like satisfying about like destroying stuff. But then, at a certain point, it's like it actually becomes unsatisfying to well, do that. That is where because you like are invested in the things that you have. And but that brings you kind of back to the Eldridge Cleaver, which is it's all fun and games to rape the girls that are in the ghetto yeah. until that gets a little dissatisfying. We got to shake it up. Go rape a white lady. Okay. Oh, and that so again good. is like the corrupted version of find a girl you like. Marry her. Well, date, <laughs> date her, get to know her, marry her, have a family. Th- that This is the corrupted version of, you know, take what you want ruin her life saddle her with a kid at least he'll grow up and like try to protect her you know that's like the weird twisted version if of she it. gets to have a boy what if she just has girls there are those women out there i know and then they're all but there's no one together yes yes yeah exactly. that's literally what happens i know it's okay? a monstrous i mean how do people culture. think that you end up in a like if you want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt the idea that they're all try- like everyone in in who lives in south central or in watts or whatever is just trying to get out okay there's a lot of people that are right yeah. there's good people that live there and they're stuck thanks to democrats but we don't want to like get into that too heavily if you want to give them all the benefit of the doubt that they're all trying to get out then you really need to do some explaining for how there are women who are grandmothers and they're like 25 or they're in their they're uh they're like 30 they could be 30. Eight. No, they could be 30. Think about it. If you had a kid at 15. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then your daughter had so a kid you at 15, need to, you could be a 30-year-old right. grandma. So you, so you need to explain how that's you possible if everyone... You can my face, but my eyeballs are like twice their normal yeah. size because I'm thinking about the fact that like I could have like a 13-year-old daughter at this no. point and I just can't no. handle and, but that's I'm what I'm trying, more like But that's what I'm trying to say. It's like... there. Every woman out there. So that's what I'm saying. I don't even give all the ladies a big pass on this because they, even Eldridge Cleaver writes that like they know that this is the game. This is like an understood arrangement. Well, actually, in a, like 
not to just take a giant shit on their community, but like having listened to a lot of true crime podcasts, a lot of these people are drug addicts and they actually sell their children into prostitution. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. You have to explain. You have to explain. If everyone, if every lady, for example, in a in the ghetto, is trying to keep themselves from getting pregnant before they can graduate high school or like you know before they can get out of the ghetto, right? Then if they all are really trying to do that in good faith. You need to explain how there are grandmas at 30 years yeah. old. Because obviously a good number are like, they're just in it. That's the life they live, okay? They live a destructive life. And that is what brings us to the riot, back to the riots. And the first rule of power, which we'll read it, but we'll just jump past it, is that power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have which is why there's it's so important to like undermine institutions and trick people and make it this seem is why the media being on their side is great because but this they is can why, basically portray this is why like churches you know there's the prager you video with ali stuckey that it's like so many churches preach leftism basically like they preach well, social justice you know, in my conversation earlier today apparently one of the things that the communists did in the 50s because they knew of course we know in the 50s like the communists infiltrated like everything right yes. i mean everybody says mccarthy was crazy he wasn't crazy no the that's pr- it's proven that he was yes. correct that yes. all so got the communists un- infiltrated un- unredacted. The universities and the communists infiltrated like the u.s government and they infiltrated yes. plenty of governments every three-letter organization started by fdr got yes. usurped by yes. the communists well one of the other things that they did was they went into seminary in the catholic mm. church and they founded like this new, oh God, I don't remember the name, but basically like they infiltrated the seminaries and like converted it from like the teachings of the Catholic Church. Because they basically knew that like the most influential church in the world yes. was it's the, the Christian, Catholic Church. Well, it's the Christian But church. specifically oh, the okay, Catholic okay. Church yeah, yeah. is the big, it's like the second big, biggest, unfortunately now behind Islam, which is they don't need to fight Islam because Islam is already full of terrible people. So well, they right. They're they gonna, gonna they're gonna fight all right the good now. people until right. they have to fight each other. Right. That's the point of Dennis's so best, still like, the best hope. The Islam is useful for them at the moment, so they haven't tried to infiltrate it. But the but the Catholic Church, you know, actually maybe stood for something and like right. improved society. So they infiltrated it in the fifties, and that's how and they got a lot of this... Catholics behind abortion and the pill and everything. Yes, and like Pope John, uh, Pope Francis, who's Pope right now was basically raised in like one of these like hard left seminaries yeah. that was infiltrated by these communists and so that's why he's like such a radical leftist but apparently it's a huge problem it's a huge problem in in judaism too yeah because there's tons of which of... is hilarious because they were killed off by leftists and then a bunch of leftists no, but that's, infiltrated but them. the again the, it's the classic thing the left-wing jews who fled early yeah survived and they didn't get the memo that the things you believe in that are these political things are what caused the problem. Or they don't care. Yeah, or they because, don't care. Because in my opinion, it's a bit of both. You know, there were actually a lot of Jewish people who were like in with the Nazis and were like they were immune. Yes, because, because there's always they were like helping there's them. always the person who's like the uh, the worm tail character, yeah, exactly. right? And Sides then, with the dark side in like, order to get exempted. There were like Jewish people who were in with the Nazis and perfectly down with the Holocaust because they thought, well, as long as right. I'm not getting, getting killed, like who cares? Right. There's that group. It, there were slaves that helped catch runaway slaves. Doesn't, I mean, that's wait, a human nature wait, wait, problem. Wait, are you saying that there's terrible people 
of every yeah, color, people Alex? Are, people are complicated. They fall into some general categories. But one of the general categories is the dude that works against his own group. Yeah. Okay? So, but here's the thing. Uh, rule number two, because we were talking about the looters and the, and the destructive, cathartic element of enjoying what you do. Rule two is never go outside the experience of your people. So when an action or a tactic is outside the experience of the people, the result is confusion, fear, and retreat. It also means a collapse of communication. So if you got a bunch of people who the only thing they know in life is how to do crime, rob people, loot, and attack one another, guess what tactic you... Yeah, you're probably not going to put those people on a news channel. Right. Thinking. You mean I can't just grab like a member of the Crips, put him up on the stage at a peaceful rally and get pros out of him? Shocker. So that's why they go and they do this because they, they, they don't have anything better. This is literally the best they've got. And I, and I mean that and not in terms of like the well, most destructive. they got. They can't educate anybody. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they've I don't like, mean. They've like destroyed the educational system. So it's like, who do they have to recruit? They don't have anybody intellectual left. And even the right. people who think that they're intellectual on the left are so corrupted by its influence that like they can't even make an argument. So even yeah. the people that are well-educated, I'm putting this in quotation marks, well-educated and go to university, they are still the ones who resort to violence because they're so uneducated that's that they, they can't they even teach. make an argument. That's what they teach now in college in the, the Well, that's different... why they teach that speech is violence. Oh, yeah, because that open, that kicks the door open. Yeah, because as soon as you say that speech is violence, then there's it no then divide between reacting to speech with violence, well, right? Because it, it also justifies reacting to violence with violence yeah. because there's a big difference between you point a gun at me and you try and shoot me and then I pull a gun out and I shoot you back, okay? Yeah. That's justified. That's justified violence. But you shoot a guy five states over from here who I don't even know and I don't know you and so then I take out my gun and I shoot my neighbor because I, for some reason, think he's associated. That's not justified violence, okay? The, there are scenarios where you can only react to the violence using your words, and there's scenarios where you can only use, etc. Yeah, you can only use violence and blah blah. There's different combos, but 99% of it is speech and speech. And what they've managed to do is knock down the the distinction between speech and violence, so that now it's just who whatever your best weapon, bring it to the to the table. And unfortunately, uh, it's not true that the pen is mightier than the sword. Like that's just not true. Okay. Um, maybe convincing the hearts of the people. But when you actually are in a violent scenario, that's why police end up well, shooting people. I mean, people. it's like the... That is, it's a trite saying that doesn't really mean anything because, you know, in, in <laughs> the Revolutionary War, they wrote the Declaration of Independence, but then they had to back it up with exactly. fighting. <laughs> no, I know. This is, why, this is why, like, when they get pissed at these police officers because they... They end up shooting, or, or you know, uh, you know, having to wrestle a dude to the ground and beat him up because he's like not backing down, or he's not following their instructions during the being apprehended for a crime. And it's like, <laughs> cops actually do this, but you, it doesn't make sense. It's like you don't really ever see a cop go, uh, "Sir, here is the letter of the law." It is beautiful, written in a fine pen by an expert calligrapher. And 
now having seen it, you have, must obey. Yeah, like it doesn't happen. They might, they, I mean, they literally do say that in like more realistic terms. They have to say like, you you know, sir, you are violating this, da, 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 put your hands up and get on the ground, right? Yeah. But at a certain point, you end up having to pull a taser or a billy club or your fist or a gun. Yeah, because if that's he was what gets the point across. So much, like, why don't you just taser him? I mean, he could sue you. Oh, oh no! That, that, again, I will reemphasize: none of this actually has anything to do with George Floyd. Yeah, because it appears to be that he was just straight up murdered, and it doesn't matter if the dude was a cop that killed him. Okay, but there are scenarios where you have to listen to the cops, or else it only escalates. Yeah. Okay, because they can't back down. Because unfortunately, cops have learned thanks to ghetto people and how they respond to them and have been taught to by Black Lives Matter and Obama and the left, that like, if a cop pulls you over, You're, he's, they're gonna kill he's gonna you. kill you, so you better shoot him first, all right? So cops have to I don't get know, more- I understand that, like, that that's what they think, but if it was me, I would still be like, I'm not gonna fight the it's cops literally, because they have guns no, and I don't. It's literally not true because the, um, I. It's a good thing I was looking at all these statistics today. Yeah. The the National Institute of Justice uh, statistics actually does a survey where they interview people who have had encounters with police officers and they they ask them standard questions about what they were what happened, right? And what they found is that Black Americans offend significantly more in every form of traffic offense. From speeding to drunk driving, driving without your seatbelt on, to every single one. Running stoplights, blah, blah, blah. Okay? And what they also found was that three in four black Americans who were pulled over by the cops when surveyed... No, when surveyed said, I was pulled over for a legitimate reason. Oh. Okay? So the, the narrative that they sell on the left is this idea that officers are just out there pulling over anyone they see who's black. For no reason. And then shooting them where they stand. All right? And that's not the case. Three and four admit, which means the number's higher because people lie. Yeah. Okay? But There's three, always those people who are like, oh, man, I didn't do that. And you're right. like, you're like mm-hmm. we saw you do it. It's yeah, on camera. Like, we saw you do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But it's like they, they admit that they are breaking the law. So that narrative is built on something that has already been proven untrue. But it encourages an escalating scenario where people get hurt, all right? So that's the problem, is they've taught violence as the first response and only response. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And then he's got some examples in here. It's crazy. There's so many rules. Like, You know what's funny is that I bet you at the height of Jim Crow that black people were less afraid of the police as they are now. Oh, Tuskegee. Okay, here you go again. Tuskegee Institute did a study... They, every, uh, it wasn't a study. They did like a research on um, lynchings. Every known lynching in America be, from the uh, from the end of, or no, from 1880, okay, to... End of Reconstruction. No, from 1880 all the way up to civil rights. No, 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 no. I'm saying, I think 1880 is like the end of Reconstruction. Well, basically, the, when, basically when, like, 1880... The, the South was like left to its own devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, 1880 is like, I think, because they literally tried to find every written or known account of a lynching that they yeah. could. And that goes back to 1880, apparently. All right. All the way up to 1965. Okay. Do you want to... First off, how many black people are, are killed in America every year? I don't know, a couple thousand? It's 7,000, okay? I knew that, but... 
And 90, 90% is by black on black crime. Yeah. Okay. It's actually 88.9%. Okay. That can go up and down. How many lynchings ever in America are there? Well, it's less than 7,000. Yeah. It's 3,474 or something like that. Okay. And the Tuskegee Institute basically was like, so everyone who's out there screaming systemic racism needs to actually take a step back and realize that black on black crime today eclipses the total amount of racially motivated murders by organized racial groups like the Klan yeah. every six months. Yeah. Well, because we already know that these people do not actually care as long as the people that they say are oppressing you are of a different race than you, right. then they care. They don't care if black people, I mean, literally yeah. slaughter and rape other black people yeah, in they, Africa. They don't care if over they the average care. weekend in Chicago, 60 people are killed. No, but I'm talking like worldwide, man. Like, oh, they okay. don't care that Muslims, like, execute gay people. They don't right. care that they rape women. When, when, Muslims, when Muslims execute gay people in horrible ways, yeah. they say... They're pro. They they're pro gay. Like they just paint a rainbow over it and yeah, like disregard like, that. Like, and they're like the the hijab is you know empowering to women. And I'm like, uh, that woman was just stoned to death because yeah. she didn't cover her face in public. And by the way, she was genitally mutilated when she was a kid. Yeah, which is something like ninety percent of women in Africa have you know, genital mutilation perpetrated upon right. them. But they don't care about the genocides that happen constantly in Africa, mm -hmm. right? They spend all their time focused on South Africa because there's white people there. And they don't care about the executions of the Igbo in, in Nigeria. And you know, the, but you know the reason they focus on, because this is and another... And they don't care about the Chinese or the North Koreans wait, wait, who, but this is who another... subjugate their own people because to them, as long as it's you being subjugated, and it's not even, because they're so unsophisticated that it's like the people in Africa do not all think of themselves as Africans. Right. They don't even think of themselves as natives of whatever country that they live in. They're right. There's you're cultural. About who there's like, cultural groups. There's tribal groups. Yeah. There's and they overlap boundaries. That's yeah. one of the reasons why there's so much violence in some of the countries because they countries drew the map. Were created by <laughs> Europeans who were like, well, there's a latitude and a longitude, right. and the people who live there were not down to be yeah. part of the same nation. But the point is, like, they're so they are actually so racist that they yes. look at violence in Africa and because they're like oh, well it's black people killing other black people so in their mind because first of all America is so goddamn integrated that they don't even have this like concept of like ethnic differences between people it's like not even a concept that most white liberals can even come up with but this idea to them that like in Africa two black people do not think of themselves as the same if they're from two different ethnic groups they yeah. may as well be black and white. Well, this is the way that And whoever's they... in charge can just murder and execute people of a different ethnic group that they can. It's why they say nothing about the Hutus and the Tutsis. Because they think that all black people are the same. Because right. they're racist. But hey, they also think all white people are the same. Because whenever it, whenever someone is getting maligned for being white... Yeah, because they don't think that white people have any culture. And let me tell you, the Europeans do not agree with that assessment. Yeah. If you asked a German and a French person what their nationality was, they would not say white or European. The French, they would probably tell you what freaking little weird town yeah, they were from. The French because they are identify. so French. No, no. The French are so French that you don't get to be registered as uh, I think you can become a citizen, but yeah. you but it's not the same as being French. Yeah. There's literally a distinction in yeah. France. And it's like you have to be able to go back 
seven or eight generations in France. Yeah. That's how French. They are very distinguished. Whereas in the UK, like like in America, I mean, they have their own ethnic problems. America is pretty much the best right. place in the world because it's like once you become an American citizen, you're an equal citizen with everybody well, else let's, in the country. Let me bring this back because this ties into another one of the, the rules, the tactics, okay? Because you said South Africa, right? They don't... Do you think they focus on South Africa because they want to solve the problems in South Africa? No. It's because it's a great way to ridicule white people anywhere by picking a place where they can say that white people were horrible once. They've also managed to turn Nelson Mandela from a murderous terrorist right, into a hero. Into a hero. But this so is but this is the rule. Rule tactic number five. Ridicule is a man's most potent weapon. It's almost impossible to counterattack ridicule. And it infuriates your opposition who then react to your advantage, all right? This is the problem that you have in America is if you're anyone, but particularly if you're a white person, and they say all white people are racist. Now you get mad and you're like, I'm not racist. And they're like, well, you just don't understand how racist you are. It's like none of these things are logic or rooted in a fact. They're just a character attack over and over and over. First they attack the whole group. Then you try and say, well, not all white people you know are the same. And then they slap you with that. I hate saying white America. As if we're different than everybody else. Oh yeah, like- Like, like what, is there like a town that's just all, it's like the capital of yeah. white America? And people might, people might accuse what does that us- even mean? People might accuse us of like the reverse of that on this show, because I've been saying like black communities, but like I specifically mean, if you live in these inner city ghettos where the, the cultural norms have become basically survival of the fittest, and there's generally a lack of education, social mobility, income, or moral codes, all right? I'm not talking about a dude who's black and he's got a family of four kids and he lives in a house somewhere in a in a suburb or you know he's a yeah. lawyer and he's successful like any that reason, guy is a member of the middle class community anyone with community anyone with a <laughs> yeah like anyone with a with a, a well-intentioned per any well-intentioned person with a brain on their head knows that when these discussions are happening that you're talking about a, a small well, subset they say white america as if i have anything in common with like some white trash hick redneck who does meth. I have nothing more, in common with like Donald have, Trump. Like I have more in common with that person than I do with like one of my best friends who's black. It's like, but it doesn't make any sense. Right. I wouldn't, I have never met, well I'm sure I've met a meth addict, but I have not knowingly met one, okay? I don't hang around those people. I have no right. context of like, I'm sure that if I showed up in that neighborhood, like I would immediately be killed because they'd be like, oh my God, look at this pathetic girl. Like she's so small right. and weak and probably has money. And it would be as dangerous for me to go into that neighborhood as it would for me to go into a yeah, black one, neighborhood. Being white would not protect me. Right, so, and, well, and that's something that Thomas Hill talks about is like the life choices are the really the things that make people more similar. Yeah. And that's why like poor Appalachian whites and poor whites in Britain are much more similar to poor blacks in the ghetto in America than they are to their next door neighbors it's who are, really you know. It's really stupid that we have to explain this to people because it's like, we're such a post-race society in many ways that it's like people, and I think even when racism was a thing, it's like you still shared more because poverty is for the most part a result of choices yes. and not systemic Crap. This has also been proven, they, right? but they don't like, want to play it that way. I know. I know. That's but the victim we're mentality. We're basing this on the assumption that like poverty is the result 
for the most part. Of what Not the assumption, see. the known the, fact. Okay, the fact that poverty is mostly the result in, unless of your you live, own bad in, choices. Unless you live in a completely unfree society. Which is not the case in America. Or, you know, you have something that's wrong with you. Like, you know, if you live in poverty because you're, like, mentally retarded. No, they're not even that, okay? that It's not even that. Because there are plenty of autistic people. But I, I know what you're saying is the most extreme like, example. there are people who, but, like, literally, like, are out of... Con- or or they're, they have such a severe mental illness that they've, like, lost their home. Yeah, like, but you know what? You can't have a society where people... People give charity to those who really can't if you don't have a society where people who can are expected to live up to their own abilities all right so we can't have a thing where we're saying well people are responsible for their own choices except you know in this scenario like no everyone's responsible for their own choices and if you have that society then there will be people who will see that some are incapacitated in certain ways and they will take it on themselves to help that person. Right. Okay, that's... I, I like... I'm pretty stiff on those those distinctions because I don't like the slippery slopes. But, what, right. But the point is that in America, people who are poor are poor yes. because of choices... It's known. It's known. If you graduate okay. high school, hold down a job, and wait until you're married to have kids, you move into the middle class. Yeah. And that people who choose not to do those things invariably move into the poorer class. Right. Okay? So, based on that assumption, that means that people who make poor choices that end up with them being poor are more similar to other poor people who yes. make bad choices. No matter where they are or what they look like. Right. Yes. Now, I'm not saying that these people get along. Because, clearly, they do not get along. But they have more in common with each other right. than they do with, like... An upper middle class person. I'm sorry. Is Ben Carson more like a ghetto thug than he is like the other surgeons at his hospital? Is that how racist we're gonna be? Like oh, he literally well, look, has more in common. Look, aside from his aside from his moral quality, Ben Carson has more in common with Barack Obama than Barack Obama has with any of these people that he does Ugh, his commencement addresses is... and shit to. I'm sorry, but like Obama and and people like Obama, <laughs> they like to pass themselves off as as if they ever were poor, Kaepernick, as if he ever because grew up in those. Because they're that they grew up with white families and they have an identity crisis. Oh, can I can I bring that up though? This is what someone on my uh, one of my Instagram po- or Facebook posts about this, Brittany. Okay, mm-hmm. and she was like, she they always pull this line, which we're having. Would you say we're having a very full discussion right now of this topic? Are we bringing in things here and there that is like connecting? The dots and anyone who listened to you, yeah? I hope so. Yes. Yes? Yeah, I would say we are, right? Right? Okay. But you always hear people on the left say like, I don't have time to do a full discussion on this right now. Because it's too big, right? But it's, could it possibly be that it's it's not that the issue is so big and so complicated that you couldn't have a full discussion in like 20, 30 minutes, but that uh, you actually are just not capable of having the full discussion because of you're an idiot? Of course that's what it is. They Every time. They can't get in an argument with you. None of these people could actually convince you in person. Well, right. They and this is like, why they don't they would, debate. Yeah, exactly. They don't know how to debate. Yeah. Well, and they would get trounced. Even worse than they don't know how to debate, they don't know how to think. Yeah. But that's one of the things as part of this Rules for Radicals is the, like, don't... I mean, the whole point of Rules for Radicals is don't engage the people you're trying to destroy directly. Right. right? 
subvert them. Like, don't it? Why would you ever debate these ideas when you can just develop? Well, a why few... would you try and have a conversation with anybody who's not black right now right. when you can just do all these stupid black squares on Instagram and right. call every white person racist right. and do all this stuff about how you know I'm supposed to change how I act? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I have interacted with plenty of black people. I have lots of friends who are black, and none of them have had a problem with how I act. Right. And they're grown-ups. If they didn't like it, they could tell me. Yeah. So... And and you don't... And well, this is what I'm trying to say, though, is that if you're on the left and you believe in this stuff, what they spend their time and effort on is figuring out crafty workarounds. So they don't have to... They don't have to root anything in facts. They don't have to make a well, logical... Well, and they also basically put you on the offensive. Because by calling you a racist... Right. Then you have to somehow... Like, it's Prove not that like you're not presumption racist? of innocence, right? There's no, there's no like, well, we have to find the racist white people. It's like, all white people are inherently racist. And then instead of you being able to have a productive conversation... You have to Now you're show. tricked into well, calling yourself... And instead of... You're defending yourself by calling yourself, I'm proving I'm not a racist. Rather than making the original point. I just point. don't even engage with any of this crazy shit on Instagram. I haven't... I haven't... Well, look. What you're describing... We're not any stupid black squares. What oh, you're, my God. What you're describing right now is rule number four of Saul Alinsky's tactics. He says, make your enemy live up to their own book of rules. You can kill them with this because they can no more obey their own rules than the Christian church can live up to Christianity. And this, you've already mentioned the church and it being subverted and changed, but it's like, you're just saying it right now. You want to have a discussion about a real thing going on, facts and logic and how can we come to a real solution? And the first response you get every time is, well, you're just white and so you have you have uh, inherent privilege and you don't understand what it's like to be black. You have systemic racism in you. And then you end up having to be like, well, hold up. I So I stand for not being racist. Now I have to apparently live prove up to my own I, rules yeah. and prove that I'm not racist. And they've completely diverted the conversation. So they develop tactics like that. So if you were to debate them, it would be super irritating. If you actually could get some of these- I just had an article idea. Oh yeah? It's gonna be, stop letting people call you racist. I yeah. I write it down now. Okay, Well, that, but that's what I'm saying. If you got any of these people up on stage, and actually wanted to have a civil conversation, you you couldn't do it because the they don't play by the rules of the game. Well, and the useful thing about throwing the racism thing out there all the time is that then they don't have to debate you because right. all they have to say is that it's like Charles Murray, right? Where he proved that basically like black and white people have like the same, like the same outcome depending on the life choices that right. they make, right? right? Like, Every person has equal and he chances. he got called racist for that. Because he focused on white people because he was like, this must be like the least, like nobody will argue if I say that white people are likely to become poor if they make bad life choices. Right. He's like, no one could possibly be offended by that. That isn't even Guess the Guess what? Well, and that's not even actually the reason he did it, by the way. The reason he did it is because he wanted to show that the same choices made by so many black and Hispanic people uh that lead that he his hypothesis was like you do all these things Isn't he, wasn't he kind of like a liberal who was like i don't know i, I mean, don't know if he, he was he's a, doing it out of a political he's a sociologist he's yeah. a researcher but that's his premise was that like it's like you take it to the extreme right if someone says like nothing in the world can fly right then you go and you try and find the most extreme example that can fly just to say okay look we've established that it is possible okay yeah. well in his case he was like my theory is that certain activities lead you down the road to poverty. Yeah. 
But every time I try and discuss these things about people, about race, <laughs> right, about people who are actually poor, they say, well, that's because the system is set up against black and brown people and it's all there to favor the white people. And so his whole point was, I'm going to focus on white people and I'm going to see if it is actually, if it's also true for them, because then that will show that the system's not rigged against white people. It's just showing that on average, these people were making certain decisions that were better uh, and, and that on average, these other groups were on a, on a less, uh, it's not that on average, all black people are making bad decisions, but he was like a higher percentage are making the decisions that lead to poverty versus this other group. And it, it, the data totally backed it up, but they shat on him because you don't want to hear that. No. You don't want to hear that, that going to school, not joining a gang, uh, getting good grades, playing sports as a, as a kid and learning how to compete as a, in a team without being violent and finding a girl that you love and marrying her and repeating that cycle takes you out of poverty? This sounds like racism. I mean, these things are just white privilege. I mean, who even gets married okay. who's black But the people else? who are invested in this do not want that because you said it at the very beginning and I, I, my mind came back around to it, okay? You said like the media loves this thing. Well, there's a circular thing here, okay? The Democrat party wants to keep minorities, as many people as they can, get them into poverty, convince them it's about race, convince them that the system is against them because of their race and that you, the Democrat Party, will the fight for them. The irony is that they're kind of right because they are the right, system. Right, That's well, they, they make like it. the Matrix. Well, that's what I say. The only systemic problem facing black people is not racism, it's welfare. Yeah. The welfare system is the systemic issue. Yeah. But, but they want the votes. So they put people in poverty, they convince them with a whole slew of schemes, race being the, one of the biggest ones, that if they vote for them, things will be good, okay? They don't, the Democrats fund groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter in order to give them the resources they need to rile the people up behind all of these causes. And then Black Lives Matter creates incidences that the media gets to report on. It gives them their news cycle and they're sensational. If it bleeds, it leads, okay? And then Guess what? 97% of political donations from mainstream media go to Democrats. I bet you the 3% is Fox News. <laughs> it probably, yeah. Like, so the it's sort of like irritating, right? If you're someone like us, because we're kind of like those people way, way back who were looking up at the stars and being like, that, const that, that looks like uh, a bear. And that one doesn't move. I bet we could rely on that for travel. And then people are literally turning and going like, you hate black people, don't you? You're like, I'm talking about stars. You're like, yeah, but the stars are white. Why aren't you focused on the space? It's black. It's like, it's as stupid of a thing as that. That's the, that's the, the level that we're at, which is all the pieces are on the board. Everyone knows the game. But everyone who sits down and tries to play the game, if they don't root for the right team, they just flip it over and they, and they attack you for it. It's disgusting. Yeah. So what's the moral of the story? We've done I, that I actually episodes. don't know what the moral of the story well, is. Okay, I'll just do a quick <laughs> the wrap moral up, of the story I think we should screwed. do another I might do like topic. a solo rant yeah. on some of this cuz I have things that I didn't even bring up yet, but well, I'll but I, yeah, okay, what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is that the media is uh, cooperating with the Democrat Party and these radical left organizations to try to try to defeat Donald Trump because they have nothing to offer America except misery, and so they have to make it seem that Donald Trump is more miserable than them. It's yeah. really their only marketing strategy. And if they beat him, 
this, what we'll we're dealing with, is literally going to be the norm. Yeah. Because, okay, if they're going into white neighborhoods to attack white people, and they're even saying it, the fact that they would even say right. it is, like, really bad. Well, that's scary, because when you have a thing and like... And you actually have had, like, times on Twitter where, like, white genocide has yes, trended. trended. Okay? So we're talking about people who watch stuff like this happening, and they're like, this is fine. No big deal. They're like the meme of the dog in, like, the burning building. <laughs> and they're like, this is fine. Okay? Are those the people that you want to have in charge of everything? And more importantly, if you actually care about black people, are these the people that you want helping? I put this in quotation marks. Helping the black community? What are you teaching black people about their culture or about how to live life? What you're teaching a bunch of young men is that the way to get what you want is to literally kill people. Okay? You're turning them into the animals that racists think that they are. Right. Because that's something that the southern whites... The aristocrats used to say it was like, well, the Negro is incapable of exactly. sophisticated behavior. So they've created like that. a whole generation of black people that are exactly what the right races believe Well, in. if I can throw out a thing that what it's like, if, because I do, I, you know, like we always say the economic interests outweigh the, yeah. the personal preferences and all that is like, if someone could somehow abolish welfare, just wipe it off the plant, like just crush it. Okay. Yeah then I think a lot of these people would turn around by necessity. And honestly, life is the thing that teaches you best. I'll tell you the two things you would have to do. Yeah. You'd have to legalize drugs and you'd have to eliminate welfare because most of them are not getting unemployment. They sell drugs and that's how they get money. No, they get unemployment too. They might get most of their money from drugs because unemployment doesn't give you that much money. No. Okay. <laughs> and they cut you off. So you have to get a job periodically to get back on it. Like you well, I got, I got news for you. Drug dealers don't report their income to the IRS. This guy's not gonna be like, yeah, I was gonna apply to unemployment, but I made 40K this year on cocaine. So, <laughs> I, you know, I sent it in. I was like, well, here it is. that's the messed up part is like a lot of the people that live in the ghetto have plenty of money to leave, but they make their money in the ghetto. And they're not. Oh yeah, they, so it's it's a there. it's a scheme that and started out. It's, the other yeah, people who don't have the money to leave. It's a scheme that started out as as the Democrat Party manipulating and exploiting, but it worked them into a self-exploiting yeah. scenario. And now they've empowered a bunch. You know, I mean, anyway, the moral of the story is like, are these the people that you want having influence over Black people for decades no. to come? They've already had their influence. But influence over everyone. Yeah, but I mean specifically, like if you ca if you care about what happened to George Floyd and you care about the black community, then like you have to care that these people think that that's as good as black people get. Yeah. They don't hold them to any standards. They don't yeah. think that they have anything to offer. They think that they're a bunch of looting, rioting animals, which is why they make excuses for their behavior and they don't talk about anything else and they don't even focus on all the wonderful black people who's shops are being destroyed the ones holding peaceful vigils the ones like the the son and daughter of the victim who have and his sister who have yeah. all come out and said that he wouldn't want this it's like they don't care right, but they don't care because, what you but they don't care what he wants civilized so i'm saying like what they're doing is they're taking nice people and turning them into animals right. and then saying that that's what they're there for i mean what else can you expect well you're thinking and about standards is like the key point i just because... don't see that how that's any different than, than the excuses that all the slave owners made, which is that black people are just too stupid no. to take care of themselves. Well, that's, it's not any different. And that's the problem is that you said like standards. America is like a country of standards. And if, because standards can be objective and you can say, I'm not in this fight 
because I think it was right for a cop to kill that guy. Because not only do I have standards for these people that are rioting and looting, I have standards for police officers too. And you, if, yeah, that's and, the funny part. If you have principles, it's like really easy to like make judgments right. most of the time because like the, you just know what is right and wrong. And yeah. so like killing an innocent, even if he had been guilty, he couldn't have killed. Like it doesn't. It, it makes it worse that he was innocent. But it's like even if the guy was guilty, okay, except. If he was like a serial killer, I would have a hard time feeling bad about it. Okay, but, but I'm not sure what you're going to say yet. The problem is that even if the even if George Floyd had been a serial killer, the person killed by the police, it's like because you know I really don't feel bad when serial killers get killed. It's okay. like how can you possibly muster up okay, any okay. empathy for them? Yeah. But the thing is, like, do you still want a policeman who's willing to kill someone in their custody on your force? Because right, if right. he's like just because that person was guilty and died doesn't really make me feel that much better about the actions of the police officer because you know they could be we wrong. have we have a presumption of innocence so just because yeah. you're getting arrested doesn't mean you're necessarily guilty yeah and, that and but the presumption of innocence thing will go right out the door as soon as this stuff if this becomes normal if right you, if but that's what i'm saying like even if you even if the guy wasn't innocent and he was a piece of shit and you thought he should die it doesn't excuse the actions of the officer because right. the officer does not have the right to execute people willy-nilly because he thinks that they're guilty. Yeah. We have a system in place. And instead of saying that we need to tear down the society and do all this stuff, the problem is not that the society is broken because its system is bad. The problem is the society is broken because it doesn't follow the system that was already set up. Yeah. Can I throw one more thing out there? Yes. That you reminded me of. I know you were trying to wrap it up there, but then we went off on this thing. Oh my God. So you're getting involved. No, no, you'll like this though, okay? You, some people always want to wonder, like, you know how the, a week ago, right? We're talking about this, right? We're doing this episode about this. One week ago, what was the hot shit in the news? COVID-19. COVID-19. Okay. For like two months, which, which was so outrageous. But everyone always wants to, everyone is always talking about like the news cycle. You got to keep up with the news cycle. If you work in any kind of like social media or digital media, like we do, if it's not on the news, it's apparently not relevant to talk about. This is something falling right into Saul Alinsky. He says, rule seven, a tactic that drags on too long becomes a drag because no man can sustain militant interest in any issue, or sorry, man can sustain militant interest in any issue for only a limited time after which it becomes a ritualistic commitment like going to church on Sunday mornings. New issues and crises are always developing and one's reaction becomes, well, my heart bleeds for those people, and I'm all for the boycott. But after all, these there are these other important things in life, and there it goes. Okay, which is why every time you think we're gonna finally get to a resolution on one of these issues, like, do you really think the news is gonna follow up on George Floyd to the point that we finally get a resolution? They already forgot about Ahmaud Arbery. That was like two weeks yeah. ago. They, I guess he doesn't matter And they've anymore. forgotten about coronavirus too. They make passing comments about social distancing, but it's not with the fervor that they had a week ago. And next week, it won't be in the news. It just You know won't. what? This is, uh, we're bringing this back around to a positive point so we can end on a high note. Yeah. This is great news for our wedding because God damn it, we're getting married in August yeah, and we are right. not letting any freaking rioters or that's coronavirus right. stop us. Yeah, people are going to be strapped at our wedding. Yep. All right. So thank you guys for listening to this episode of True American. I hope you guys are safe from the rioters and the looters. And I hope that you guys will all go out and get Rules for Radicals by Saul Alinsky. Um, look, I, it's not like the money goes to him. He's dead. So I guess you could buy a copy. 
I don't I don't care. Buy the copy, help the help the publisher that publishes it, whatever, I don't care. But get it to read it, okay? Because this book tells you the game plan and you need to know these things inside and out so that when you have talks with people about current events like us, you can whip up some of these things from a book like this and say, hey, but you know, like this goes back to 1971. Like it's all just tactics because it'll basically make you much more skeptical of everything that they're doing because and more convincing to people who are unsure yes okay thank you guys until next time